Good morning, everybody. Mary and I uh, love coming here when we get the opportunity to come because uh, this place is an incredible place of God's grace and his mercy over a lot of years, a lot of years. I'm thankful to be here this morning, and um, it's an honor. And I honor your pastors uh, who... Uh, we appreciate and love so very much, and the opportunity to come and share this morning is, is pretty incredible. You know, I have a 60-plus year history in this church. I'm no newcomer to this church. You see, when, my, when uh, I was growing up, my grandparents were a part of this church back in the late 50s, early 60s. So my first experience in this church is with Pastor Hooper White. Anybody know Pastor Hooper White? Long before all of you. <laughs> Who? God bless you. See, we got something in common long term. But I was only like four, year, four years old. So. And then, of course, uh, my uh, role model for selfless servanthood ministry was Pastor um, Fred Wymore and his wife, Betty. And so they made big impressions on a young heart. And I remember going to, you know, Sunday school before service and sitting in here. And my dad pastored four square churches. And, but all the churches that they uh, commissioned him to go to and appointed him to were all little. You know, like 50 people, 70 people, I think was the biggest. I don't know if he ever pastored a church of 100. And so when we would come... Like, this was a big church. And so it's like, wow, is this what things could be? You know, this is my only big experience in a big church. And the choir used to sing. I know, some, how many of you were back in the day? You've been here for a long, long time. Okay, there's 12 of us. God bless you. All of you newcomers, you missed so much history. Let me share. They would sing, and it grabbed my heart. Never underestimate the influence of what takes place in this room or in the room across the way. Because I remember singing, uh, the choir singing, and I learned it at like age six. Oh, we've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord and trusting in his holy word. He's never failed us yet. That's been the theme of my life. I learned it at six in this auditorium. You see, when the Lord brings you into contact with his people, it's for our edification, it's for our growth, it's for our maturing, so that we don't just sit in a comfortable pew somewhere, but it it impacts our lives in such a way that we impact the lives of other people. Because we're not called to just come and sit. We're called to come and be healed, learn, grow, and go. I've been doing that a long time. Thanks, Ryan, for making me feel really old. (laughs) He used the word retire when we ended our our transition out of our ministry in Hollister after 35 years. But I couldn't find the word retire in the Bible. So we didn't retire. We transitioned 
to the next season of my life, which I have to just say is a lot harder work (laughs) in a lot of ways because you are dealing with cultural and language and customs, traditions. But I love it. I just want to serve. You see, there are characters in the Bible that shape us. As you read through the Bible, if you ever read through the Bible, maybe you've read this passage of Scripture a dozen, two dozen, a hundred times, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says to you, did you see that? Has that ever happened to anybody as you've read your Bible? And the Holy Spirit says, did you see that? And I say, see what, Lord? He said, did you see what you just read? Well, I read it. You ever have those conversations with the Lord? Come on, am I the only one? Because he will talk back to you if you ask. And I said, well, what, what? I'm reading in the book of Acts. He said, did you read? Did you see what, I, what just happened there? I said, yeah, I've read that lots of times. He said, no, did you see it? And, and the Lord showed me something that I want to share with you today because I believe that in our current culture, that this is something that the Holy Spirit would say to us in these days. And I've entitled this message, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. You know, we can learn a lot from the characters of the Bible, and we can, we can look at, at um, people like, um, well, like timid Gideon, who turned out to be a man of faith. Or we could find out a, a slightly boastful jo- Joseph who, who learned humility along the way. We can see the integrity of, of a humble Joseph. The brutal honesty of a crusty old fisherman named Peter. And then there's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is an amazing character in the scriptures. And one of the things I really love about the Bible is it doesn't show us just the good things. It shows us the the challenging things of life. Because I can reflect in my life and see the good, the up and down, the bad, all of those things. And I can look in the Bible and I can see Places where they're just like me, and I'm just like them. In the book of Acts, the 28th chapter, if you have your Bible, you are free to turn there, chapter 28. We'll, begin, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. In chapter 27, just for context, Paul is on his way to Rome, not at the invitation of Caesar to have a meet and greet. He is on a prison ship. He is, he's being taken there as a prisoner, being shipped to Rome to be tried by Caesar. And along the way, a storm comes and the ship is destroyed. You've read the Bible. You know that story very well. And because of all that Paul has done and said during that time, when the stress was there and the destruction is happening, nobody dies. And they all swim or float on boards and broken pieces of the ship onto the land. And so now we pick up the story in chapter 28, the first six verses. It says, Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, 
whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've read that. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, what happened to the snake? Did you see what happened to the snake? Because you and I are going to find many times in our lives when we're going along on the Lord's business, we're doing the right thing and bad things happen. Has that ever happened to anybody else here? Come on, just say amen if it's happened to you. See, the rain falls on the just and unjust. But here is this story in the middle of, or well, it's the end of the book of Acts, and that Paul is, is there, and uh, first of all, it's unusual that those people were kind to the people who were shipwrecked. Those people were notorious for being killers on the island of Malta. They didn't want anybody to show up on their, on their island unannounced. You see, I think there was a, already a move of grace that goes out in front of Paul. And so when uh, they're watching and all this happens and the viper attaches itself to Paul, it says that everybody thought he's going to die. And in that age, there was like, if something bad happened to you, you were all, it was because you were guilty of something. You obviously were a murderer because now you're being judged by whatever God's little g that we would ascribe to. But grace, but God. The viper comes out of, of, of the sticks, the gathering that Paul has done, and it's kind of like Paul. He lands, crawls, swims onto the shore, and he immediately goes to work. He's not sitting on the laurels as, well, God, you and me, we got everybody here. He didn't sit back and say, well, I'm going to take a break. You guys, you guys go do something to make us all feel comfortable. I'm just going to sit here and catch my breath. No, it says that he immediately went to work. And that's the nature of Paul. Paul's not sitting back on laurels or anything else on reputation. He is not in chains. He's gathering sticks and, and out, of his, out of his work, out of being busy about life, and caring for those who he's with, something negative happens in his life. Something potentially deadly happens in his life. But God, the viper attaches itself to his hands, to his hand. And I like what it, how it's described, at least in the New King James Version. I, I think it says, and he shook it off into the fire. He shook it off. It's like, do you ever put yourself in those positions when you're reading in the Bible? It's like, oh, that hurt. Come on, how many of you think that it hurt when the snake bit him? Come on. Let's not glorify this too much or make it too something. Snake bites him. It's gonna hurt. He, oh, ow. He didn't cuss, though. I don't think he cussed. He shook it off into the fire, and what does it say? He went on about what he was doing. 
You see, you and I will face situations in our life as we're just doing what God has called us to do, that the enemy of our soul will come to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy of our soul will allow, uh, uh, allow there to be situations that are manifesting around us, that God is, by his grace, walking us through the valley of the shadow, that he's going with us through the trials. There's already grace on the Isle of Malta as uh, Paul and all those are gathered on that, on that shoreline and they're building this fire. There's already grace there because the inhabitants haven't immediately killed them. It says right here, they were showing them unusual. I'll use the word grace. God goes before us, but we still have to go through. God brings us to, but we still have to go through. And you and I, as we sit here this morning, as we're watching online, you and I have been brought to things by the grace of God. And know this, he's going to bring you through those things. Because he's not finished with you yet. Until you and I get to the the throne of God where he declares over us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You and I are going to have to keep shaking off the things that the enemy wants to attach to our lives. And he's always going to be after attaching things to our lives. Because if he he can get our attention, ooh, that hurt then we have to make a decision about how we handle the pain that comes in our lives. I don't think there's any one of us that are sitting here or watching today who haven't experienced the pain of life in one form or another. But we're called to shake it off. Working for God, attacked by hell, we shake it off into the file and we keep going. We just keep going. When you look at the life of Paul and you just read some of the things he wrote to Timothy and to others, this is, this is just a little excerpt of, of Paul's accounting of his own life. And in this book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, in the New Living Translation, it says, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. If you are an underliner or a highlighter in your Bible, you need to highlight, underline that. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Let that be the testimony of our lives. That even as we're going through difficult things, the Lord will deliver us because he promised. The Lord said to over our lives, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And the only way the enemy of our soul can overtake us is if we are forsaken and it's not on God's part that he would ever forsake us. Therefore, we can say the Lord rescued us from all of it. You want a little more information? First Corinthians, 
or second, second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 27 says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's not with drugs, by the way. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and in the, on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. How would you like to have that be your testimony? I don't, I don't think when we, when we read these words of Paul, I don't think we get the full measure of the emotion behind what Paul is writing. Some people, they view that and they think that he's whining and complaining, you know, with a voice of, I was hungry. Come on, I have, I have a two-year-old grandson. On the way, all the way to church, my wife will confirm this. I'm hungry. <laughs> Only that voice was too nice. And I won't try and imitate his little whiny voice, but some of us as adults sitting here, we can whine just as much about other things. Maybe not hunger, although... Never mind. I'll leave you guys alone. <laughs> but I don't think he's whining and complaining about all the hardships that he's endured. I don't think so. I think was, Paul was so strong in his faith. He was so bold for the Lord that he's not whining and complaining. I think, I think that Paul understands that he's a threat to hell. I think that the devil knew that Paul was a threat to hell. And that he was especially targeted by hell ever since that road to Damascus experience. I think from that very beginning, there was extra measures taken to sidetrack, to disillusion, to destroy the work of ministry within Paul and through Paul. And I'm thinking, yeah, Satan, you were busy, busy, busy. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm not seeing the whole picture here. Maybe I'm looking at this all wrong. Maybe it wasn't Paul that was the target. Maybe the better way to see this is that it's the kingdom of darkness that's the target. That the kingdom of darkness is targeted by Paul, and he's just revealing to us some of his battle scars from doing spiritual warfare, of storming the gates of hell. I started to meditate on that and think about that some and think of my own life and ministry over all of these years. And, and I have to tell you that most, most of the 
hard things. Some I caused. Some I know was hell in response to the call of going and doing the work of the ministry, both locally and internationally. I know there have been preemptive strikes of the enemy, the viper, attaching, and I had to choose to shake it off. You and I, as we sit here, as we're here this morning, you and I are not finished yet. And so we know that the enemy has his plans and purposes, but God has greater plans and purposes. And he says, come with me. The Holy Spirit's leading, right? Come with me. Let's go do. Come with me. Let's pray. Because some of us here in this room, we can't go and do, like travel, travel, travel. But anybody can pray. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, you can pray too. Go for it. Just tell them. You can pray too. All of these things, Paul says, yeah, those are all scars of the mission I'm on. They're all scars of the, of the ministry that's taking place. I've endured a lot of the things, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, he may not use the words that I'm exactly using next, um, but I think he's announcing to hell. I'm still standing. You did your best from the very beginning till right now. In fact, put me on an island where they would probably kill me except for the grace of God. Put there's a snake there. And I should be dead except for the grace of God. Hell has done its worst, but I'm still standing. Would you say that with me? I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Paul was not afraid. He wasn't afraid of warfare. He didn't shrink back from conflict. He knew in his DNA was the king of kings and the lord of lords, the captain of the army of the hosts. And there was nothing that the enemy could throw at him that with the Lord by his side, he couldn't keep going through. Storming the gates of hell. And what Paul is saying to the church in this story, what he, in the Corinthians account. And what he's saying to us to, this morning is, you have to stay in the fight. You have to stay. You're in a fight. Stay in it. There's not one of us who can sit on the sidelines and say, I, Jesus, I just need to sit this one out. Come on, are you with me? Are you following me? We don't have that luxury. We don't have that option. Nor should we ever want it. For when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against us. I know that's not how I've read that scripture before. I've always read it when the enemy comes in like a flood. Well, I have my professor here. God bless you, Pastor. There's no punctuation there in that text. I just moved the comma. You can too. When the enemy comes in, because I don't want him to have a superior role over the spirit of the Lord, do you? When the enemy comes in, and he comes, 
the Lord raises up a standard against him. When he, like a flood, he does. In other words, when the enemy comes in, and we've seen it in the life of Paul, when the enemy comes in and he does all, does all his little maneuvers, the spirit of the Lord is poured out. The spirit of the Lord begins to move in strength and in power. And all the places where the enemy thought he could steal and kill and destroy, we have the, but I have come to ha- that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You have a response of the Spirit of God that is within us that causes the enemy to flee, not us. You can't sit it out. Stay engaged in the spiritual battle of our life. Stay in the fight. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace of that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. I love that. If you need a more religious version of that, read it from the King, old King James. I like how the New Living Translation says it because it says it in language that you and I can understand, which is this. Don't quit. Keep moving. And as you're moving, train the ones who are coming up behind you to keep moving. Keep standing. Keep trusting. Keep believing. Keep going. Stay in the fight. Don't quit. I'm going to say something that I may regret later. I don't know. It happens. But I'm looking at the generations behind. And this is not a complaint. It's an observation. The generations that are coming up behind this beautiful generation that I'm watching in front of us have learned to quit on life. The church generation has to relearn how to stand and fight. I know it's not sexy. I know it's not politically correct to talk about fighting and battles and war, but I just read the Bible. And the Bible says, those of us who have a few battle scars on us need to get next to somebody who doesn't have quite as many yet and show them, tell them the stories. And the faithfulness of God. The grace of God that continues to sustain us through every situation. And we still have a song in our hearts. We still have a joy that holds us. We need to train the next generation. And that's really my heart as I go through Asia, which has increased not just South and Southeast Asia, but I'm dipping into other parts of Asia as well as the Lord opens doors. But my, my role, the assignment I have, is to train people, to train leaders, to train pastors on how to train leaders and train pastors so that they can train leaders and train pastors. Because you know what? I, if I have another 20, 25 years on this planet, I'll be super, super old. And I don't know if they'll let me even fly to the Philippines. But my trust is that I've deposited enough of the scars. 
enough of the wisdom that comes from the scars so that the generations coming up know how to fight. Just keep fighting. Stay in the fight. Stay in the battle. God's looking for people who are willing to go, willing to pray, willing to send, willing to fight. I want to close with one more passage of Scripture. Because I want to make a declaration with you today that just says, I'm still standing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, it says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, trained to do it, trained to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. What's Paul saying in these verses? He's saying, I have determined that I can't just be one who sits in the crowd and is just blessed. You know, I, I'm, I have this habit of smiling at people that I don't know everywhere I go. It's very disconcerting. It's because you have people think, okay, he wants something. He's a psycho, (laughs) or he's a Jehovah's Witness. I don't know. (laughs) But I love to smile at people to see their response. Hopefully, they get a smile back. And I'll always, almost always say, how you doing? Or good morning, or, you know, a, a typical, normal greeting. And you can imagine, as your mind goes wild a little bit here for like one second, the responses. Shock. Or immediately. I'm blessed. Well, praise God. And we go on our way. Here's the thing. Some people go, I'm blessed. And other people go, I'm blessed. And if I have the time, I, I, I just like say, really? How are you blessed? Now, they either run or they'll stop and say, well, God's been good to me. I say, yes, he has. You have a blessed day. And watch their face change. You see, it's those little engagements because of where God is taking you that helps others also engage in where God is taking them. We have to learn not to be satisfied to just be part of the crowd. We have to learn to walk in the Spirit as the Lord is leading us in the Spirit. Paul uses the analogy is that I have to train myself all the time to stay. He just switches analogies. but To stay in the race, to stay in the fight, it's constant training. Constant training. Folks, they did some surveys, and I'm not a big survey guy, but it it catches your eye sometimes. And how many Christians read their Bible on a consistent basis? 
How many of you know that would be under 30%? In America. So what kind of training are we doing? Well, I watch so-and-so. I listen to this podcast. Now, I'm not against podcasts, and I'm certainly not against the Internet video. But that's not how you're trained. You have to be trained by putting the weapons in your own hands. Hello? So this is the pastor in me. See, I came here today with a purpose, and, and my time is running out, but my purpose is this, is... For those of us who are going through things, and right now, currently, it doesn't matter if it's financial, or if it's physical, if it's emotional, if it's, if it's relational, whatever it might be that the enemy wants to come in and distract and destroy, wherever he wants to come in and cause you to, to get off your assignment, whatever that might be, my, my responsibility, I felt like from the Lord was to say to you, don't quit. Get back in your word. And I know Pastor Gary preaches that over and over again. I'm sure Pastor Dan tells you the same thing. Every pastor in this house tells you the same thing. So it's like a broken record. And sometimes when we hear things over and over again, it just is, yeah, I know that. But I'm another voice, and I'm telling you the same thing. In this day, in this culture, if we don't have the foundation of the word of God, you and I will be blown away by every storm, every wind of doctrine that comes our way. We will begin with subtle shifts and come off our foundation. We're in a battle for the souls of men and women around the world. And God has called this house, this church, to be an anchor point, a rallying point for the army of God. To be a place where people are built up, edified, surrendered to the Lord, sent out either by prayer around the world or by going or sending someone to go. That there is an impact for all eternity because we haven't quit We haven't got comfortable. Now, these pews are not lazy boys, but they're pretty good. If you have ever been to some of the places where I've been and and preached in places where all they had were, they were sitting on just a, a wooden plank that sat on top of buckets. That was church. And they thought that was great. See, it's not about where you park your blessed assurance. It's what you do with your blessed assurance. God has called us. He's poured out his spirit in these last days. And so we have determined, I have determined, that I will keep moving. I will keep going. I will keep praying. I will keep sending. I will keep trusting. I will keep learning. I will keep sharing my scars. It was the uh, spiritual DNA of the Apostle Paul. And I want that to be my DNA as well. I think I may have given you a lot to think about. You say, Pastor Bob, couldn't you be a little more uplifting? I mean, you're a guest. You're supposed to, like, just pump us up. (laughs) Sorry. 
It's not my assignment today. My assignment is to say to Valley, you're not done. Valley needs to get younger. Sorry. Valley needs to become very much a training place. All of your maturity, all your growth that you have had over all these years is lost unless the next generation catches your scars. You have something to say. I'm still standing. I'm still standing. In fact, would you do that with me right now? Just stand to your feet. You may not have been through what the Apostle Paul has gone through. I don't know that anybody here has been beaten with rods. I don't know if you've ever been bit by a viper. Maybe maybe nobody in here has been stoned and left for dead. If you've been shipwrecked, I want to talk to you after service. Many of us have feared we were going to die. But we're still here. Millions of people had COVID over the last period of time. We've lost loved ones. But for God only knows reason. We're still here. You may have lost your job or your position. You may have lost some of your wealth. But you're still here. You may have fought a lot of health battles. Felt like you were going to die. But look at your neighbor right now and just tell them, I'm still here. I'm still here. You may have been bitten by the words of jealousy from someone else. But you've shaken it off. And you're still here. I don't know why you're not shouting. I don't know why you can get a little more excited. You're going to think about this about two days from now and you're going to go, ah, I missed it. I should have been giving praise to the Lord and, and just say, Lord, by your grace, I'm still here. I'm still here. Only he knows. Only he knows. Lord, I feel a shift happening in this place right now. Lord, you're reminding us of your faithfulness. You're re-impressing upon our hearts your grace and your mercy towards us. Lord, some in this house, I feel, are getting their fight back. We've been weary and we confess it. We've been distracted and we confess it. Lord, I believe right now you're speaking to us with a fresh fire hot off the altar. 
And Lord, you are doing something deep within us. Before we ever leave this place today, Lord, you are affirming and confirming, Lord, that you are not finished with us and that we're still standing because of you, not because of our own abilities. Lord, lives are in the battle. Lives are in the balance and we can't, we can't quit. We can't. We will not lay down. We will stand up. Lord, we celebrate you in our lives and we thank you that you never disappoint. And so Lord, I speak your grace over this congregation this morning. Grace, grace, grace. Grace to stand. Grace to change. Grace to learn. Grace to grow. And grace to go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all sit down. Very graciously, Pastor Gary has given me permission to share a prayer card, that I can share my prayer cards with you. And, um, you know, uh, you can't do what the Lord's called me to do. Mary and I can't do this without partners in prayer, especially. And then financial partners as well. And so we, we have a number of these prayer cards. They're just and put them wherever the Lord leads you to put them. But if you would be willing to pray for us, that's first of all, because he's our source for everything. If you're willing to pray for us, we would love to have you pray for us. And this is just a reminder of that. And also the the website is there, phone number is there. And actually, that's my personal phone number, I'm just telling you right now. So if you call, I'm answering. But our website is there. And uh, we would appreciate this house. This is kind of our second church home. So, because you usually see me over here singing with these fine folks over here. But this is our second church home. And so we're honored to be here today. And if you would like one of these, Mary and I will be up here in the front. And we'd love to just greet you and share this with you. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless. Praise God. I know uh, Pastor Bob said that he didn't think it was an encouraging message. I was encouraged. How about you? I was encouraged. I do a, I do a personal journal, and uh, I record you know, just things that have happened throughout the year. And every year at the end of the year in January, I go back over my journal. I open it up and things that the Lord has spoken to me, I highlight it in yellow. And so I usually go back and I read all the yellow things real quick. But I'm looking at things and I can go back and I can rejoice. I can see some, I can see some victories. I can see some things that didn't work out so well, but are still in play. And I'm still believing for those things. And you know, as you were speaking today, I heard I was I, a scripture came to my mind of what of what Paul was telling to Timothy, and it's First Timothy six twelve. It says, "Fight the good fight of faith. 
lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. You know what the good fight of faith is? When, we, when I was growing up and guys get together, we used to talk about our fights. But you know what? We never talked about the fights we lost. Whenever you talked about your fights, it was always the ones you won. Those are the ones you talked about. Those are the good fights, amen? And you know what? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We are one with the Lord. We walk in covenant relationship with Almighty God. So it's not even a fair fight when it comes to the devil. Did you know that? It's not even a fair fight because we're fighting with God's weaponry. So I love that. I can't tell you how many times I've told the devil, I'm still here. Every year I go through that, I say, I'm still here. You've tried, but I'm still here. And you know what? You won't have a testimony unless you've gone through a test. I've got a lot of testimonies. And I know that Pastor Bob and his wife have got a lot of testimonies. Many of you have a lot of testimonies. And I always tell the devil when he comes and brings something against me, I say, are you sure you want to do this? Because it's not going to go well with you. And all you're going to do is equip me with another preaching story that I can encourage somebody else with. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Take hold of what God has brought for us. The covenant, the promises, the word, the blessings. Yes, I'm so glad you said what you said about the word. We need to be in the word. This is where we hear God's voice. This is where we get revelation. This is where we're encouraged. This is where we learn how to fight. Amen. And I love that talking about the training, raising us up and being trained. No, Pastor Bob, I was encouraged today. I was uplifted today. And I want to thank you for your message today, for hearing from the Lord. Will you stretch your hands out toward Pastor Bob and and his wife, Mary? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your hand upon uh, Pastor Bob and Mary today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your great grace in his life, in their lives. Father, we speak healing into their bodies today. We agree for your healing power to flow through. I know he said 25 more years. He'd be so old that maybe they wouldn't even let him fly. I don't believe that. I believe in 25 more years, he's going to look young. He's going to look, he's going to be just so full of your grace, so full of your strength that people are going to be amazed at how old he is. And they're going to say, you don't look that old. You don't act that old. You look, you look young. So Father, we thank you, Lord, for their ministry many, many, many more years. Lord, as they have transitioned into a new phase of what you've called them to. Thank you, Lord, for preparing the lives around the world that they will touch and that they will minister to, that great fruit will come out of this ministry. Many will be healed. Many will be encouraged. And, Lord, that there will be a great legacy left behind when he finally leaves this earth. And, Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.